Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk with one of the top anglers in the game of fishing, Ish Monroe. Ish talks about his career and sheds some light on how he's been able to be so successful both on and off the water. However, before we swing the interview over to Ish, Nick found another way to gross Rob and I out. And uh, if you've got a weak stomach, don't listen to the first 30 minutes. If you don't care, you might get a laugh. Hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We've been sitting here talking on Zoom for uh, 20 minutes and already spent all our good material before we started recording. <laughs> so we uh, hopefully we have a couple things left for you guys, but um, hope, hopefully you've all had a great week. It's been a nice week here in Arizona. Um, we've got a great interview coming up here in a little bit. We've got Ish Monroe, uh, you know, one of the top bass fishermen in the entire country and uh, definitely one of the top bass fishermen to ever come from the West. So uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy that one. But before we get to it, uh, we got a few things to go over and let's see what's going on with the guys. I know Nick has had a wild week as usual. So um, let's start out a little more chill and see what's going on with Rob <laughs> first. We'll ease into Nick. What uh, What's going on with you, Rob? Not a whole lot. Just uh, I've been working on the boat still. Um, ordered a bunch of uh, stuff for my electronics that are coming in hopefully this next week. And as that goes, I'll just keep you guys updated. But uh, I ordered a, a new dash plate from Bass Boat Technologies. It's that's probably one of the biggest downfalls on my boat is the dash. It's all plastic, so I'm getting a big aluminum sheet that the gauges go in and stuff, and should be pretty slick. Looking forward to that. So nice, man. Are you having any issues with getting stuff shipped? No, it doesn't seem like it. Um, I think it's, I'm a, I'm pretty sure they make all this stuff here in the states. Uh. So. That's, yeah, good good call yeah, on that. Yep. I only buy yeah. American. America, America, you would. <laughs> as we all should. We all should. I'm not shaming you on that, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, dude, so it's coming together. I took the boat to the lake. All my pumps work, which is pretty cool. So Nice. Well, if you, you need anyone to replace your live well pumps, holler at me, man. I'm really good at that. It'll That's only what take I heard. nine months. Yep. Your boat will be outside in the elements, completely exposed. Good for it. Yeah, I did it in... Uh, I don't know, a few hours. So. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> hey, now that you're going to have your boat completely remodeled, dude, you got to jump back into a couple tournaments, man. Are, yeah. are, is that on the horizon a little bit? Or are you doing all this so the boat looks cool to your guide clients? Uh, a little bit of each. I mean, I, ha <laughs> I actually think about it often, like fishing tournaments, and and then I think better. Like, I, it's, no, just it's, it's just weird, my thought process on it. Like, um you know, if we make it back to Minnesota this summer, I'm definitely wanting to fish a couple team nice. tournaments or a couple of those tournaments there. Um, I sit and look at certain schedules. I look at like the Toyota series out West. I'm like, Oh, that looks like fun. And then I talk myself out of it. I look at the Bass Nation in, in central Arizona and I talk myself out of it. So, um, I don't know, maybe someday we'll see. That's cool. I know if, if I ever retired like fishing nationally, I would fish the federations, both of them probably every year. It's just yeah, I think it's an opportunity. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's, and it's fun. Well, it's fun. You, it's a good group of people and you're actually fishing for something in the end. I mean, all the, a lot of years here in Arizona, I fish team tournaments, which, I mean, that's how you make the most money sort of, but like you can, there's win no 10, path forward. There's no path, right? Like you can win 10 team tournaments and, you're going to have a the, sweet bank account. <laughs> well, not even that, but you, you, the 60 boat field is going to go. That guy's a good fisherman. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get, dude. Yeah. Right. That's what you get. Yep. Right. Congrats. And that's cool. You got the respect of those dudes. Like, that's you get a plaque. Yeah. yeah. But, but with the Federation or I call it Federation, I think it's Bass Nation now. Right. And, and MLF's version is what? The TBF. TBF, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I call them both Federation. I don't know if they're technically not that or what, but I don't know what they are. They're, they're similar. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, there's a path in both of those. And there's been many, many careers made out of that. Not that I want a career on a tour, but still, it'd be cool to go fish on a little higher level. So, yeah, that's cool, man. Right on. Well, I, I'm stoked to see uh, how the boat turns out. It definitely sounds. Sounds awesome. And, uh, and to talk a little bit about that mount, dude, it, not to uh, make too big a deal of it, but how, how uh, cool is it that those dudes can pretty much make a mount for 
any model boat to support these big giant electronics that people are putting on now. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. It's funny. Every time I get on a website, I always read, um, the, about us. I always want to hear about the company. Right. And he obviously wrote the owner of the company obviously wrote that many years ago when he first started. Cause he's like, yeah, I want to, I'm making stuff for Ranger boats and I want to venture into all the other boat brands. Well, obviously he has, cause he has them all the way down to my 2008 Triton. I mean, think about that every year of Tritons, he can basically, basically rebuild your dash and make it sturdy enough for your unit to, for a 12 inch unit to hang on there, which those things aren't light. And then you throw boat waves in there and I mean, they take a lot of abuse. So it's uh i'm excited to put it in there because like i said triton dashes are just terrible the older they get the worse they are just because they're plastic and they just dry over, and brittle at this point well over time they just kind of wilt <laughs> i don't know what what a better i mean if it was fiberglass it would never go anywhere right and like the old champion dashes i don't know if you remember like they're <laughs> just glass. solid fiberglass with the yeah. gauges all in there with bezels and like those things will be that way in 50 years from now. So. That's a good point. And yeah. but yours doesn't have that, or does yours have that old school like that with that wood look to it, dude? That wood, that plastic that they tried to make like look like wood because that was yeah, mine really back mine. in the day. Yeah, mine got uh, in 2008. It wasn't the fake wood. It's all black. Such a sharp look, right? Oh, dude, <laughs> well, the Brazilian pine is a dude. resale. It was factor. classy at the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's, the old station wagon with the wood panel. The woodies, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the awesome. best is like an 85 Chrysler caravan with the wood stripe going down it and the rectangular yes. headlights on top of each other. That's Ooh. yeah, just peeling off the side. Like yeah. yeah. They, they made a stick shift turbocharged version of that van. Might be the best automobile ever made. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Surprise I'm you don't sure have you had one. Yeah. Hey, I, park, I found one. Park on that Craigslist. next to your Miata. <laughs> It'd be the tow vehicle for the Miata to the racetrack. Really mess with people. That's That's your van life camper. Hey, well, hey, I'm going to just plug my other thing I got going on. I got an Instagram page called Vans and Vasectomies, and we're an apparel business. So if anyone else is morbidly depressed in their fatherhood and they no longer are fertile, check us out and buy a T-shirt. You you didn't start a page for that, did you? Of course I did. Absolutely. Go check it out. Comment I'm going to do it right now. Josh is doing it right now. Please let's go hear, ahead. We have let's like hear 20 about posts. your week, bro. What's going on with you? Yeah, man? let's go, Why Nick. This up? Let me frame it for you. If I had to put it in two words, the last seven days of my life, could anyone guess what those two words would be? Rob, you got to guess? Two words in your last seven days? If I had to phrase the, the theme of my last seven days, what two words would it be? Uh, I don't know throw up human, diarrhea yeah human waste <laughs> yeah josh we can't see the screen but he clearly it, found it can it we exists. keep this clean it exists guys this page exists of course it does we've already sold He's like made three 14 shirts. posts from this page and it literally does have that exact wood paneling van featured in a couple of the posts it's hilarious Bro, i'm a think tank if i ever went on shark tank <laughs> they would just like move one of the lesser performing hosts out of the way and be like here here's your seat buddy just sit on down here and take it from here no, it's been a it's been a week of human waste. Sadly, I I started um, my uh, my son got extremely sick on Monday night. We could tell he wasn't feeling good. He's like, oh, I have a stomach ache. I'm like, all right, dude, just go to bed. You'll be fine. Two hours later, my daughter goes to bed because we sent him to bed early, and she comes in. She's like, there's puke everywhere. I stepped in it, and that's like the last thing you ever want to hear from your kids, especially on a long three day weekend everyone's finally going to bed you're ready to be like done we go in there dude he got three he was like hummingbird 360 with vomit dude he had it on the window covering behind him all across his bed under the carpet in front of him and then on the wall the the no the the baseboard the door the door handle the other bed in the room no exorcist style and the best part is is he's like just i think he just blew his load and then he just crawled back under the comforter and was asleep with puke all over his face. And I'm like, bro, like you got to wake up, man. So 25 minutes of puke cleaning. And, and the, the kiss of death on that one was, is he normally were like staunch anti fake crap advocates, but he twisted our arm at the movie theater and I let him get a cherry slushy. So everything was tinted pink. So it like stained <laughs> everything. 
<laughs> so I'm scrubbing puke out of the carpet. I'm getting We're nauseous, just, dude. Dude, just going to town, right? So that was Monday night. I have one of my beautiful real estate investments on the market, and it's a choice single wide in East Mesa. And I uh, had it sold, and the guy drove down from Montana, thought it was a sure thing. He wired a security deposit, and I met him there for his inspection. And got there and like within two minutes, he was like, well, man, I'm sorry to do this to you, but we're going to have to cancel. I was like, oh, okay. Like no hard feelings. He's like, check this out. We walk around back and the neighbors are uh, clearly a band of almost homeless gypsies. And uh, he's like, look at that. And I'm straining and I see like a small canal of liquid and a mud bog in our backyard. And it's the headwaters are underneath the trailer next to it. He's like, their septic tank is backing up and it's flowing onto your lot. And I can't have that. There's feces right there. And I was like, mm, yes, that is clearly what that is. That. Yeah, I was like, touche, sir. Here's your security deposit back. Sorry, you drove 15 hours from Montana for this thing. Like, my God, I bid thee farewell. But already having been tested in the merits of gross things that come out of human bodies, it wasn't that bad. But then I had to figure out how to report that because the band of nearly homeless meth head gypsies uh was not going to go knock on their door and be like hey by the way if you notice every time you flush your toilet it comes back out onto your carpet instead of going down like it's supposed to like is any of this registering on any of you guys like i didn't have the stones to knock on their door so i started i i almost called joe biden man i reported them to everyone i could think of <laughs> county city state they got it all man i was like I like i text this long note in notes on my phone so I could just copy and paste it nice. and all the application things. And nice. So, so I was like, all right, well, that's my second interaction with human excrement. If, and then if only uh, the listeners could see Rob's face. I think he wants thing. a job at nitro properties. No, you need oh, to go fishing. Dad. So then uh, Wednesday at night rolled around and it was my daughter's turn to get sick. Unfortunately, yeah. she's eight. And so she's able to point it in a toilet and by and large contained all of her nastiness into something that was much easier to clean. And then Thursday night came home and all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, I'm not feeling good. And I tell you what guys, like I got so sick that I thought like, I thought I was going to die. Like I was so sick. We had a, the moment there was like, I just need to go to the emergency room. Cause it's just like not getting better. My blood pressure was like 91 over 53. My pulse was like over a hundred. I was sick. And we called a mobile nurse to give me an IV. And like, I tell you what, like that is, that was amazing. So for uh, what Friday it's worth, morning or Thursday night, uh, first one was Thursday night. And then I got one. Yeah. And then I got one Friday afternoon. Holy cow. And then man. I was sick as a horse until yesterday morning, but it saved me from having to go sit in line and waiting through all that. So I just didn't even think I could do it. I was so like unable to get off the couch and uh man that iv hits you and it is like happiness dude and they can put like you know because i had stomach stuff so they gave me like an anti-acid and a and a, a stronger version of ibuprofen and some other stuff and like did she come in in a hazmat suit dude it was two uh one was still an active firefighter they, they have to be rns but firefighters are hustlers they're like the epitome of like yeah they are multiple things going on. I always admire them for that. So both of them were firefighters and they were cool and they, they were wearing masks as protocol, but I told them, I was like, dude, I'll throw a mask on. They're like, I don't think you have COVID man. It's like, if you're, if you still don't shooting, want this, dude, yeah. you're shooting out of both ends. Yeah. But you know, so I don't know. I, I hear, I am telling you that it sounds like we're, you know, contagious and spreading it to each other, but I'm still not on the, like we took some bizarre gambles over the MLK three day weekend and we ate at some weird places that normally we don't. <laughs> So I'm still not convinced that we didn't like get, what uh, we went on this adventure into the uh, Arizona mills mall. And we went deep. We did the Legoland, That's we did an the adventure. new aquarium. We ate at some places that were kind of like, well, you know, YOLO like food court. Uh, I didn't quite do food court, but we rocked a, a Mexican seafood restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and we also represented the, a uh, single oldest Mexican restaurant in Arizona that opened when I was like six years old, when Arizona Mills Mall opened, which looked really clean. The Mexican seafood restaurant did not look clean. And uh, so I don't know. And they say that those bugs sit in you for a while. So I don't know. We'll just, we'll never know. Thankfully it looks like everyone else is healed up. 
but there was so much human waste. It was amazing. It's a good thing we wow. don't have a septic tank because that baby would need pumped by the time. Yeah, so we your wife has week. got the iron stomach though. She she uh, can't do unscathed. Dude, she always does, man. She, but you, wow. women are always like taking vitamins and she's wearing those scary like creeper Halloween mask facial treatment things. And it's like, they're like health 101. Meanwhile, I'm over here like, I won't ever do any of that stuff. Like that stuff's fake. Why would you do that? And then I'm in the fetal position, throwing up in a bucket and sitting on the toilet. So figure that one out. But the only thing that anyone actually cares about is I got my Ultrex installed and my ears perked up, Rob, when you're talking about the... Uh, the thing for your dash, because now that my old tracks is on there, my, uh, the pedal is no bueno for my old front graph mount. So I got to figure something else out for that. So I bet those guys have something that might work for me. I need to get it like farther forward and up. So guarantee they do going to hop on there and check that out. Yeah, that's cool. Well, dude, yeah, you're uh, one step closer. You're going to be ready for the good uh, spring fishing, man. You know, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. That's going to be what it is. <laughs> January has really been a tough month, you know, um, for a lot of the lakes around here. There's a few lakes that are out west in general and one or two in Arizona that are fishing pretty well. And, uh, you know, back east, there are some lakes that are that are showing some signs of life, of course, you know, down in Florida and stuff like that. And there are some high spots, you know, on uh, on, on some lakes around the country for whatever reasons they fish good. But January, oh, by large is a really tough month to fish and i've actually been pretty much landlocked myself too dude just uh getting ready to to blast off and start traveling and uh you know there just hasn't been that much pulling me to get out on the water and and you know it's good that i'm not fishing much this month but nor and normally that's really really hard but then you talk to a buddy that goes to a local lake that's normally <laughs> good and they catch three and then they catch five the next time. And it's like, dude, yeah, I don't really need to go be involved with that right now. I'll just, I'll, uh, I'll save it and uh, make sure that I'm ready to go. So I've been kind of yeah. just, I've been packing up little bags. You guys can see uh, my fancy Ooh. system here. It says fork <laughs> in this big Ziploc bag. And um, just because it's going to be such a rapid fire deal in the first like five tournaments for me and going back and forth, I'm trying to like, pack for each tournament in, in in these bags and then you know when one tournament ends rip all my stuff out from louisiana throw all the stuff from fork in it'll take two minutes and i'm ready to go and all i have to do is rig my rods and i've got i've got stuff for the first four tournaments kind of set uh so hopefully nice. yeah hopefully i'm not forgetting too much but that's that's really i haven't been pulled towards fishing on any of the lakes but um so that ziploc bag is going to hold plastics presumably for the most part yeah uh and then the hard stuff you know kind of stays in there but uh rob you look like you're about ready to say something dude am i am i Uh, just body language right yeah (laughs) it's just interesting to see you're gonna have you know later on in the interview with with ish talking about his simplicity of of the entire tour year is very interesting so yeah oh everyone's got different different styles right and you know it, it, it i think what issues going to talk about makes a lot of sense especially for him and there's definitely stuff that that i could learn from that and other people could learn from that but um everyone has different things that work for themselves right and uh, issues is, isn't is a power fisherman i mean he is an absolute power fisherman and um you know he, he's he'll talk about how he's you know, rigs his tackle and sets up his boat to exclusively do that. Um, I can't quite a hundred percent dive into that. I'll do that. And I love to do it, but I've still got to be prepared to go fish out deep. Cause that really is my strength is fishing deep. So, um, I do have to tote around a little bit more tackle than, um, it's just, you know, we fish very differently, but, um, it'll be interesting for everyone to hear about that. And, uh, really that's, that's, that's all I've had going on my way anyways. Uh, is it pretty Brandon? exciting to know that uh, <clears throat> you're getting pretty dang close, aren't you? I'd imagine yeah. you're pretty damn packed and almost gassed up. I am. Yeah, man. I'm uh, excited to fish. It's been a shorter off season than normal for me because we fish so late into the fall. But, uh, dude, I, we're always – I'm always ready to go. Always ready to get that tournament season going. And I didn't – since that last cup tournament, I really haven't had the opportunity to fish any local tournaments. So the tournament thing is really, really like, you know, we're all competitive dude and i'm itching to fish 
some real tournaments and there's a lot of opportunity early this year to to uh fish so i'm stoked for it man nice yeah but uh i guess before we swing it to ish one thing that um would be worth talking about and rob brought this up the other day is it's interesting you know we're still in the winter and if you're living up north and you're, <laughs> and you're covered by a couple feet of snow it's silly to be talking about fishing during the spawn and we're not going to break down spawn fishing but we do have to mention that the spawn has already started in a couple parts of the country and it's going to be interesting to track it throughout the spring and uh and and you know see what month all these fish go because it's literally happening right now in florida and it's going to be happening in july up north so we'll watch this this of this wave watch this effect of spawning fish but if you're a listener and you've got spawning fish right now uh, drop us a line. Let let us know where you live, and uh, let us know when you catch your first bed fish of the year. We're still a little ways off of it here in Phoenix, but um, it's happening in the southeast. Is do you think? What's, go ahead, Rob. What, what's funny in Arizona is you see a progression from from south to north, even in Arizona, um, and probably the lakes in Mexico that that Nick's fishing down there are probably spawning right now or really yeah. really close. Dude, I saw an absolute rhinoceros come out of Bacharach yeah. <laughs> yesterday. <How big? laughs> Didn't say, but it was like fistfuls of bass and obesity and yeah. just about a tail dragging on the bottom of the boat. So yeah, wow. we just had a, plus. there was a, a recent local tournament down on Martinez, um, multiple 20 pound bags, I believe. I think it was like four, five, something. Yeah. Like they're that. not spawning the best fishing but, in the state for yeah, sure. They're not spawning, but they are on their way up. Right. They're, you don't just go down there and catch that kind of weight unless they're pre-spawning a little bit or at least getting ready. Totally. So they're, they're a couple of weeks away probably. And you know, as, as that goes, you know, you just go a little further North and they go and like, I think these central Arizona lakes are like that last week of February, first week of March, if we have the right weather or as late as middle March, you know, if it, it if we have a little cold weather at that time, but um, it's funny how, how it just progresses up the, you know, up the country. And mm-hmm. like you said, in July, you'll be catching bedfish in Northern Minnesota. So. Haven't we had Pretty years too at Saguaro where the spawn goes incredibly late, but it's almost because there's not enough real estate when that lake is healthy, there's more fish and there just is active places to spawn. See, and so they just keep going. <laughs> my theory on that is our lakes are so different than mm. let's take a, um, like a natural lake in the Midwest, right? It's a big bowl that water temperature changes all at the same time for the universally. Most part. So you have a two week period where all the fish come up and spawn. And in Arizona, we have these big deep lakes that water runs through them and there there's fish on beds the first of March and there's fish in 30 foot of water that have no idea that it's springtime yet. That's it is my, wild dude. How yeah. that you, you, you fish a tournament, you caught them on beds all day and a dude at weigh in caught them in 30 feet. You're totally yep. right. It's wild, <laughs> yep. man. Yeah. And you don't get that in other parts of the country. You're right. Yeah. So our spawn will literally start in March 1st and go, I mean, as late as, uh, what's the first holiday weekend? Is it Memorial day? Yeah, dude. I always remember getting, I agree with both you guys too, just to, to, um, not overshadow what I took thought process, but I, I, Rob has a, has a good take on it too. And they both make sense. But uh, I remember when I was in high school, I would always, uh, be stoked like the last day of school or the last uh when when school was over i would always spend the rest of that week out catching big bed fish uh, yep. on the salt river chain it's like every year after we would uh you know uh, have the last day i'd look forward to a great week of bed fishing and that is late may man it's unbelievable yeah. yep yeah it's pretty wild how that how that works but our our lakes are unique out here for sure in that aspect so we don't have like drastic pre-spawns we don't have nothing is drastic right it's all a slow progression really unfortunately. yeah 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 so yeah. our friends that are dropping pitchforks through rectangles in the ice to murder innocent northern pikes are laughing <laughs> thinking that there will ever be a bedfish caught in the next foreseeable future <laughs> dude that's one of the coolest cultural things in the midwest <laughs> did you see Minnesota. that then Renella so started doing it too he had a crazy oh wow video. yeah it's incredible and there's a bunch of studies on 
like who's doing it. It's they're all like 49 year old men is like the average age. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Who did yeah. the demographics on that? <laughs> I, I, I heard it somewhere. I don't even know where I heard it, but it was just classic. Dude, to- when I go, I want to go like the pike that's staring confusedly at the decoy. Like what the hell is that? And then it's just over like 400 pounds of pitchfork just falls on you and it's over. Like take me out that way. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It'd be fun to go do a trip like that. Let's go. You're driving. Yeah, you can't knock it till you try it. It might be fun, dude. I'm not knocking. I think it's I think it's super cool. I'll I'll drink beer and shiver. Let's go. That's cool. Sorry for that tangent. Um I love it. Well, hey, uh we're about to send it over to Ish, but and uh I think this is a negligence on our part, but uh we are I know at least a handful of you guys had shared our podcast this week to try to win the Berkeley Stunna. Now, um I did not do my part and pick a winner. Nick, do you have them in front of you? Yeah, you do. Look at you, bro. Awesome. And you got a winner. Yeah, you do with that. Dude, that's great. And our winner, Nick, is holding the phone out. Thank you. I'm glad you did it. So thank you you to everybody who uh, shared this out. And uh, the winner, this is going to seem rigged, but it's our buddy Hayden Frey, (laughs) who uh, I uh, owe a fishing trip to anyways. Hayden's going to start doing some stuff to help us out with a podcast anyways. So he's he's our buddy, but – Hayden's going to get the jerk bait. That's great for me because I don't even have to ship it. I'm just going to give it to him. <laughs> I've met Hayden, Congrats, so dude. it's not super rigged because I anonymously picked it. So Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, yeah, congrats thank you. Uh, well, congrats to Hayden, dude. I'll give that to you next time I see you, man, uh, which hopefully is in the next week or two. And uh, thank uh, thanks to everyone who shared the podcast. We'll, we'll start doing more of this stuff because uh, it's so easy to, to – uh, ship something out or give something away. I think away this and- episode will give away Josh's gently used bib pants that I see hanging in the back there. So anyone who tags uh, dirty bibs and shares it will uh, get Josh's autographed gently used bib pants behind him. They smell nasty too. Dude. There's been a lot <laughs> yeah. of fish that have been uh, caught in between those legs. Dude, how often <laughs> you wash your bibs? To be honest, I don't. And people I- say that you should, but I don't. So those are ripe. I know every time I wear mine too, I'm like, these are nice. This is like, this is probably like if a hermit crab could crawl back in his old shell, he'd be like, yeah, I remember this place. It smells familiar. It's nice when it, mine get washed when it rains. Yeah, it's, there you go. And you usually wear it when it's inclement weather. So it's almost like built in. They what's say funny, do it once a year because it's good for the Gore-Tex. Go ahead, Rob. What's funny, you say you've caught fish between your knees. Like that's like a a play when you can touch the fish like mlf you can't do that anymore it's a big no-no in mlf yeah for yeah. sure dude but yeah for sure but like uh there's think no about better how- way to get them under control yep for sure so slime regenerates just take it to nickelodeon they'll dump the slime tank on them. <laughs> have you guys seen that That's ridiculous gross. nonsense on the nfl and then they like bring the icon over it's great i, I watched one of those and it was pretty funny that nickelodeon Nickelodeon NFL or NFL holy cow broadcast yeah my I have a six-year-old son so he's all about it dude he thinks is it's he? the greatest thing ever it is cool but I'm like these bastards are indoctrinating our youth this young there are more sports than football dang it hey that's cool that it's getting him fisherman. into football though is it oh, kind yeah. of getting him into football yeah dude but my son he, his dad is failing him and so like he has no times for no time for rules on any sport like we were playing a little driveway baseball yesterday and he kept running towards third. And I'm like, dude, you don't run that way. And he's like, well, you can't get me over here. Like you're out of the base path. You can't get base path, you little knucklehead. Like, what are you doing? So he has no time for rules, but it is cool that he's, he's fired. He wears the same freaking Under Armour shirt and shorts every day. His mom's going to murder him, but he's all about it. So, so the nice. NFL slime is working on him for sure. How about, uh, like actual sports is he is is he playing any sports right now or like playing on playing soccer or baseball or anything this year yeah if he had a father that was doing his job yes but see he wanted to play basketball and i totally forgot to sign him up so i was I, dude i was too busy on the socials doing the vans and vasectomy thing so i didn't have time to parent him correctly so he would be on a team see and then i also lived vicariously through rob who rob when did boyd start baseball season in his like 10 uh no he started I think his first season he was seven. <laughs> Dude, Boyd was throwing seventy by ten. Man. No, when he when yeah. he was. What's funny is when he was seven, he played um, against fourteen year olds. No, he played on a ten U fall league. Him and uh, two other boys that were seven, and 
all of them there, they were the three B's because it was Brant, Boyd and Brandon. And they were all the seven year olds on this 10 U team. That's cool. Dude, I remember that's when our friendship was about crystallizing and it was like, you were married to baseball and a decade and a half later. Yeah. I made fun of guys that were like that prior to that. And then I ended up being that dad, (laughs) but, um, yeah, he went an entire season, never got a hit when he was seven. And then the next year he played little league, uh, went to a tryout and the tryout was either you play with the hard ball with the big boys or you play with the soft little round soft baseball. And he made the hard ball team. So, uh, that season lasted, I don't know. I don't mean, it was a short season. And, uh, when that was over, he's like, that's it. That's all we get to play. So <laughs> nice. we sign him up after that. We sign him up for a club team and, I think he was nine on a 10 U club team and it was history after that. So our weekends were eating yeah, up. And no baseball. one saw Rob for 13 yep. years. I literally put a hundred thousand miles on a Dodge diesel driving to baseball practice. What, <laughs> what a dummy, huh? <laughs> you got to look good though. I should have bought a Prius to do that. but I wouldn't have been your friend. Yeah. yeah. And most of those miles are spent in the back of Luis Gonzalez's freaking sweet sprinter van watching TV in a massaging recliner. Wasn't it? Yeah, that didn't happen very often, but it did. It was pretty interesting. So <laughs> that was also why I was your friend. I was hoping I'd get to ride in Luis Gonzalez's yeah. Sprinter van, but I never so, made it high so enough you, up the list. I got a funny story, dude. You'd get in his van, and he had like a giant flat screen TV, and it was him hitting the <laughs> the. <laughs> it would it would always play like over. I don't know if he did it just for shits and giggles or what the world series hit like the blue single back up the middle oh no way dude i don't think he did it i think one of the 450 footer it was just a little blue like the people that made the van (laughs) set it up like that what no i think like his brother or someone was doing it as a joke because like a bunch of the team parents got in his van and we're going somewhere and they're like rolling that we're like dying laughing well you know if i would try and do some nonsense like that about josh if i had the power to do it so i bet it was somebody else just trying to trying to big time it he's one of the coolest guys ever like literally people would maul him when you go to like he's the Derek jeter of phoenix oh dude and he is so gracious and so like he would sign autographs till his hands were bleeding and and smile at the entire time it was he's a he's a gentleman and a exactly what an athlete like that should be so what a good role model man yeah just a great era man i see for some reason my social media is always showing quotes from athletes of like the 90s and early 2000s and like i saw a cool one about jim tomey the other day too and just how he like doesn't understand why people would never you know would turn up autographing something for a kid and he talks about like how he'll drop everything and no kids know who jim tomey are anymore so maybe that's why he says that because yeah it's not easy though like that's there's a lot of pressure if you don't have that personality that charisma that like we would go to baseball tournaments and you go to these national baseball tournaments and there's always big league dads there so you get it draws the um it draws the autograph geeks interesting like, like these guys up are, to the dad for the dads dude these guys are clowns losers. total losers and and that was the only time you could see like Luis's like bad side and it wasn't bad but he's like oh, i gave that guy a crappy autograph and he would laugh about it you know <laughs> he decided left-handed yeah or yeah. right-handed whatever yeah. he is they'll never verify that yeah pretty dude. awesome huh that's amazing. So one more tangent, it's early in my mind is coming out of an incredible sickness. So it's really stupid, but you guys are impractical jokers fans. I know. Do you remember the episode where Joe's punishment is he goes to the Mets spring training game or like a regular season game and he goes down to like the right field wall where at that time they had some like star who never amounted to anything, but he was a big deal. He's just tall. He looks like Boyd, long haired, blonde, shoulder hair length. And, uh, so the whole and the the players in on it, and so the player's not allowed to give the ball to anyone other than Joe, but Joe has to like elbow kids out of the way and like take them from kids. Dude, these parents are going ballistic, and you know Joe's so easy to hate when he turns it on because he's just like that like New Yorker, like he's just got that like he's the, he's best the there greatest is, guy ever. But when he's an asshole, he's an asshole. And at he's some point this through. mom, like, so he take, he like totally tells the kid like, Hey, you can have this one, like, just get him to throw it to, you know, and then you can get this one. And then he takes it out of the girl's glove 
and starts walking up the like he's done because he's already got like 13 bodies like this one's for ebay and he's like walking up the stairs all fast the mom chases him down and traps him and she's just <laughs> giving it to him and he was at an earbud right so he's like what do i do fellas and then they just unplug the mic and leave him hanging because he doesn't know what to say but it's the it's as far as painful ones go it's like dude and so to your point about autograph hungry fans like brilliant punishment by them it's hilarious i love it that's awesome so, well that's a tangent that no one wanted to know about but uh somehow we're 40 minutes in so let's talk to ish <laughs> well that sounds good no that's cool to have a little bit of baseball mixed in man um but that sounds good uh, anything else for you guys before we swing it over to him no man i'm excited i don't even i don't i'm ready to listen to this episode i wasn't there i was in the fetal position on the couch while it took place so yeah well we uh, we care about you nick so we're <laughs> glad you feel better and uh we waited a couple extra days to get nick on because rob and i didn't have enough interesting things to talk about and nick definitely brought a lot to the table this week so hopefully you guys made it through that part without getting nauseous <laughs> yourselves and um here's ish monroe thanks guys all right, Ish, thanks so much for joining us, man. What uh, What is going on your way today? Oh, just working on tackle. You know, we're right around the corner from leaving, so uh, my driver shows up, and I've got to basically hand him keys, and he's on his way, so all my tackle's got to be done. The boat's got to be rigged and ready, I mean, and then all my clothes in the truck. Are you fishing both tours or just BPT? Just BPT. I'm fishing okay. a lot of stuff out here out west. I'm, you know, doing Wild West. I qualified for Apex this year, so I'm doing that as well, uh, trying to qualify for the best in the West deal that they're trying to have. Um, and then fishing ABA teams, new gen teams, and Wild West teams as well. Wow. That's, That's a busy insane. schedule. Yes, it is. I was going to ask, what do you do? Like, uh, what do you do during the off season? I know you saltwater fish and do a bunch, but dude, like you just pretty much been bass fishing all off season, huh? I have been bass fishing a lot this off season and, you know, i just pretty much didn't get as much salt water in as I'd like to, but uh, I'm going to fix that next year for sure. Or this year. That's cool. Is, 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 is that a two rig situation? Do you have a rig back East and a rig out yes. West or yes. yeah. I keep a rig in both and dual sets of tackle. And, you know, actually it's funny because I was talking to Fletcher this morning and, I'm actually running all the tackle I need for the Bass Pro Tour actually in my boat. I'm not bringing any tackle in my truck at all. And I'm basically coming in, flying in for the event. We got two days of practice, so I'm throwing my confidence baits and rolling out to like get a, back home. The fish events here. That's like a dozen frogs and a few punch baits, right? That's pretty much it. And, you know, throw a chatterbait and a sinko in there every once in a while, and we're good. Simplicity at, at its finest. That's perfect. Yes. Let's dude, let's dive a little deeper into that real quick. Cause I'm just curious. Cause I, I'm horrible about wanting to have everything with me, you know, and, and it's, I'm the same deal coming from Arizona. I don't get my rig back much. Like how did you, dude, how did you organize your tackle? How much tackle do you have in your boat? Say it's a crankbait that you really like. How many of them do you have? Three, the, the number's three, because three will get me through the event that if I need to grab a 3,700 Plano box and throw more in there or some more frogs in there, I can at the next event. I'm literally flying home between every single event. And if I need something for the next event, I'll either A, get it shipped to where I'm staying at, or B, I'll have it, you know, carried on the plane with me when I fly on my carry-on. Makes sense. That, that does. Okay, so how about like soft baits, man? If it's a soft bait, do you have a lot of confidence in? How many colors are you carrying? I carry basically six colors. That's it. And, you know, it's funny, even of those six colors, there's probably two of them that you use all the time and you trade off maybe one every once in a while. And the other two colors are kind of just fill-ins. Interesting. That's cool. Ish, Ish, you're known for throwing frogs and punching and power fishing and stuff. What's one sneaky technique that you're going to have with you that we don't know about? Honestly, nothing. Um, you know, oh. if you said out west, if you said out west, I'd tell you the floating fly. But okay. other than that, you know, that's not even going with me next next year. I'm actually uh, basically punch rod, flip and stick with a jig and a D-bomb, uh, frog rod, a buzz bait, a chatter bait, a spinner bait, a square bill crank bait, and anything else after that. I mean, obviously, I threw some jerk baits in there just for the early season. But realistically, what else do you need? Yeah, I, 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 I agree 100% fishing your strengths like that. And 
for, for myself, I like it simple and why make it complicated? You look at the Bass Pro Tour and you got a guy like Stephen Browning and Brett Height. They make bread crests and they qualify for everything, throwing a chatterbait everywhere they go. And, you know, they don't set the world on fire at every event, but there's always one that they do. And, you know, it pays off. But the rest of the year, they still catch enough to be consistent. So, like I say, throw a chatterbait, flip, punch. I mean, that Fletcher, he made red crest and he flipped all year. All year. All year long. I tell you, dude, sometimes and props, props to those guys that do that. It drives me crazy because uh, sometimes I just can't get myself to, uh, to do that. My mind just is going a little too fast. And uh, I try to try to do too much at times. And uh, it, it frustrates you when a dude just threw a chatterbait from the first cast to the last and whooped your butt, you know? Yeah, pretty much. That's the way it went. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. That's cool. Right. <laughs> well, that's awesome, dude. It's, it's cool to see you fishing so many tournaments out West, you know, I, I know the guys other than, you know, you taking their money a lot of the times they'd like to see you <laughs> out there, man. Uh, dude, what, what's your favorite body water in, in the West in general? I mean, gosh, Clear Lake um, is solid. The Delta's good. Anywhere that I can go flip and throw a frog. I mean, those, and those are the two best places. Uh, I've been actually enjoying some time at home. New Maloney's has been on fire. And I can go up there and catch 40 to 60 a day on a float and fly or just a worm and, and you know, just having some fun. I mean, I took a couple of buddies fun fishing uh, day before yesterday. And, you know, we just went out there and caught them. That's cool. Have you been throwing a float and fly long or is this something you're kind of learning? Uh, second, second, second year throwing it. Um, my team partner that I've chose to team up with last year, uh, he is a big part of that deal. He got in at the early stages and showed it to me. And I'm like, it's probably for me, one of the funnest, uh, best techniques in the wintertime. Do you ever catch largemouth with it or is it 99% spots? It's about uh, 75% spots, 20% uh, largemouth, and then another 5% of smallmouth. Interesting. That's cool. Any, like, uh, dude, anything you've learned since you started that's made it way easier? Like, what is, I mean, what's a general setup like with it? Well, I mean, it's, it's 10 or 15 pound braid to uh, seven pound Dio Samurai uh, fluorocarbon. And that's about 30 feet of that. And then you have a, your bobber, your thill bobber, your spro fly, and a bobber stop and a bead. And you pretty much just go out there and you throw it. That's, do you use a long rod? 7.6. Uh, I'm using Axie Fighter 7.6 uh, Tatula Elite. Uh, uh, he calls it his uh, hair jig rod. Okay. So when you cast it, if I remember right, you cast it back and let it hit the water, right? And then you fling yep. it forward. Is that how it works? Yeah, you, you let it sink out. It was basically what you're doing is you're letting all the slack until the bobber actually stands up in the water and then you shake it a little bit. And they just the bobber moves when you didn't shake it. That's a bite. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It, and how do you retrieve it? You're reeling it? Well, you really don't retrieve it. You shake it a little bit. It's almost like flipping in a way, you throw it over the spot. If he hasn't eaten it on the fall or a couple shakes, you wind it up and you make another cast. Interesting. Huh. Do you get and it? Basically, it's, a, it's a slip. It's a slip bobber. It's it's basically a crappie technique that works for bass. Yep. Dude, the first couple times you did it, did it bring you back to like fishing as a kid? Just to every watching time a bobber. I do, every time, every time I do it, it brings me back to a kid. It was funny because uh, one of my buddies, he's. 60 year old guy close to 60 and it was his first time doing it and he was in heaven he was just like this is the best thing in the whole wide world that's cool what a crazy technique for bass i know it's been yeah. killing it in northern california and dude like it i know it's it doesn't work everywhere right that's why you don't hear no, about it so no. much in texas and stuff but it's just it's it's been such a phenomenon in the last five years where you live in northern. and that's it dude yeah. right Georgia, yeah. maybe a I little mean, bit. Georgia, a little bit. Smith Lake, possibly. You know, if it's freezing cold, we get a snowball at Smith Lake, then yeah, I'll throw it there. But it, it, it's, it's a particular time of year and certain kind of lakes, and it's got to be right or you just don't catch them. That's cool. And obviously, you catch quality or you're not going to do it. I mean, is that 
is you catch all size fish on it or all size fish on it. I mean, um, last year my team partner caught a seven on it. Nice. Wow. That's cool. Dude. So, you know, speaking of just watching a bobber fishing as a kid, like how did fishing start for you? Who got you started in fishing? How old were you? And, uh, you know, I know you probably lived in California, but what was the story like? Uh, the story is basically my dad, two years old, we fish for food at that, at that age. And, you know, he fished a lot with my grandfather. My grandfather would go fishing with us and my uncles fished and it was just a way of life for food and having fun and being in the outdoors. And it was a way for me and my dad to bond. And I mean, it's because of him is where I'm at now and him getting me into fishing and keeping me going. I mean, I have a picture it's a uh, pretty much it's not even black and white it's like black and brown photo of me you know in 1977 of uh, me with a big old afro and a dasiki on and a freaking long uh cane pole i mean it's just it was awesome that's cool so was he your first tournament partner like how did it turn into like really fishing for bass with artificials no uh there was this club called bass holes in san francisco Perfect. and uh it was the job that i got when i was 14 years old working at highest tackle box they had a club and i just joined up with those guys and got to fish with the buddy Derek crenshaw and we got out there and you know we finished like third or fourth in the first tournament i ever fished and obviously after that i was hooked it was go fishing and make money i like it that's cool uh Okay. So dude, you, you started fishing team tournaments. Did you ever fish in the Federation or like, what was the next step into, uh, you know, fishing yeah. bigger tournaments? I did the, I did the stepping stone. I started with team tournaments. Then I fished some pro-ams out West and I fished the Federation. Um, and from the Federation, I fished the Redmans. And then from there, it was pretty much to more pro-ams and then bass came out West in 1997. And I basically qualified the first year packed everything up and sold everything that i didn't want to pack and keep and quit my job um as a car salesman and went on tour nice. see that that's the most impressive thing to me i when we have guests on i look on the Bassmasters and look at your tournament history and i met you ish in the late 90s when bass came out west and um I was amazed to see that you went your first year. I, I did not realize that back then. Um, well, I had nothing to lose. That was the perfect time for me to go. I had no family. I didn't have a house. I had no responsibilities. I had no debt. So I could take the gamble. And when I qualified, I had a sponsor, uh, Big Poly, which is a subsidiary of Griffith Rubber Mills that, you know, they gross about $100 million a year. They were just like, here's your, your truck, here's a gas card, and half your entry fees. But back then, half the entry fees was $9,000. Yep. So it wasn't like it was a lot of money out of my pocket. And so I was like, okay, I had to come up with another nine grand, and I sleep in the truck, I've got a gas card, and I stay at campgrounds, and I do it cheapest way possible, that at the end of the day, I'm not in so much debt that I can't get out. You know, I, I, I know stories on tour where guys basically won their first tournament and had to pay off all their debt that they had. Crazy. And I didn't ever want to be that guy. I mean, imagine being 50, 80 or a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I mean, we're in that place now, but we own houses to do that's the kind of debt we have. You know, we have vehicles that put us in that kind of debt, but imagine just having, you know, 50 plus thousand dollars in credit card debt. I couldn't even imagine that. You never, so you never pay it off unless you win a tournament. So you had to be one of very few that went that first year. Cause I mean, that was like the beginning of all these guys, yourself included that are Western stars now in bass fishing. And, um, I don't recall a whole group of guys going back East. You were, well, one there of was, there was 16 of us that went out of the 25 that qualified. Okay. I guess I, I didn't realize that was that many. Me, Dean Rojas, and Skeet Reese were the only three from the original first year of Bass coming out west and qualifying. You know, wow. um, Aaron Martins qualified the next year, and he had came out the following year after that. 
Okay. Uh, John Murray was the following year after that. John was actually happy when Aaron left the West Coast because he was just like, now you guys can go deal with him and I can win some tournaments at home. <laughs> yeah. And, then, yeah. and then John qualifies and he decides to head back east and, and from there it's just like you know we've got this group of western anglers that have just come out and it's you know it's pretty good very good yep but it's a hard it's a hard deal and that's what i tell everybody is is you know there's a lot of guys who have come you know and tried to do this and have failed a lot yeah what's your right, take though? on it i mean when you were doing it the entries were 18 grand i mean now for a young guy from out west it i mean that's a big chunk to it's 50 it's 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 45 to 50 grand depending on what circuit you're fishing that's not including expenses that's not including your home life you know for me right now i need to make about 125,000 just to make sure all my bills are paid and my entry fees are paid and you know I, my expenses yeah it's, it's it's a big nugget your first year you know yeah. because most guys no matter how you set yourself up, you just don't have much sponsorship your first year. So you really have to yeah. have luck on your side, man. And maybe like, like you said, maybe you do get lucky and have a good sponsor. Maybe you get lucky and win a tournament, but man, it's things have to line up right to be able to get through that I first mean, year or two. Yeah. I mean, for me, it took three years. The first year I cashed one check. Second year, I didn't cash a single check. Third year is when it finally started to click and I started cashing checks. And then, from there, it's the career that I have now. Dude, let's talk about, so you were so young when you started and- um, 23 years know, old. You didn't have the technology that we have now, right? So no. um, what was it like, dude, going to these big bodies of water without the mapping systems that we have now, without being able to do the research, without probably knowing a ton of people back East? Like, dude, when you launched the boat on Lake Eufaula or uh, Sam Rayburn or something like that, I mean, how, how crazy is that? It was, it was, it was over, it was, it was overwhelming. It was, you know, going from, uh, places like our first tournament was down in Florida on the Kissimmee chain. And it was just, it, it's the Kissimmee chain is so big and vast and it's overwhelming. And at that time we could fish the lower river. And so locking, you know, you don't lock in the West coast. I never <laughs> locked before. You know, we, the only place we ever lock in the West coast is Columbia river. And I had never been there. So I didn't know anything about locking and, you know, trying to fish grass that that's in six inches of water that, you know, the fish are there too. It, it was just overwhelming. Totally. I get that for sure. Um, so three years down the road, it's, or two years down the road, it's starting to click. Is a lot of that, you think, just the fact that you are maybe also getting used to the travel, learning how to manage your practice, learning how to break down these big bodies of water, but also like just the day in and day out life to where, where things were a little less stressful. You were used to it. Now you can focus on fishing. Yeah, things were, things were starting to click. And at that time, you know, the establishment of being a pro angler was a great time to be a pro angler the late 90s early 2000s was probably the best time to be a pro angler there was so much money out there you know uh 2001 i qualified or 2000 2000 i qualified for the all-american so 2001 i fished the all-american 2002 i fished my first classic you know it, it, it was like and when i fished my i'll never forget this the, when I qualified for the classic, the boat company that I was with, which is actually the same boat company I'm with now, is Skeeter Boats. They handed me the MSOs to my boat <laughs> for qualifying for the classic. Wow. That's that doesn't happen like, these days. That, that was, that was, that was, it was phenomenal at that time. I mean, I literally qualified for the classic and made like $75,000 just qualifying for the classic. On sponsor contingencies, basically. On sponsor contingencies, yes. That's insanity, dude. And 75 grand was worth more back then than it is now. Right. 75 grand Someone was giving 150 grand now. Right. 75 grand was everything. At that point in time is when I actually looked, started looking to buy a house. Nice. And things like that. And, you know, in 2000, two years later, I'm buying my first house and, and stuff. And so it was, it's pretty awesome. That's cool, dude. That's cool. Well, you also were, it was a good time, but you were taking advantage of it. And you, I oh, know yeah. how hard you work, dude, on the sponsor front. I mean, were you yeah. always the businessman that you are now? 
Yeah, well, fortunately for me, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Scott Laney. Once again, he was the president of Griffith Rubber Mills, which at the time that I was working next to him, I didn't know he was like the man. He just had talks with me about business and how to handle and conduct myself. You know, uh, back in the early days, I had earrings in both my ears and wore super baggy jeans. And he's like, man, he goes, if you really want to make any kind of money, what are these earrings worth to you? What is wearing baggy jeans worth to you? And I said, if baggy jeans is my identity, the earrings were just kind of cool for the ladies kind of thing. But he goes, is it really worth it? And at the end of the day, I thought about it and said no. And so I cleaned up my act and started wearing, you know, khakis to boat shows and nicer shoes and tucking in my shirt and, you know, just kind of being more of the business related man. And then all of a sudden is I in the fishing industry, the harder you work, the more money you can make. And that doesn't happen in a lot of places because, you know, you get a job that you're making 15 bucks an hour, you could work as hard as you want and you're still going to make 15 bucks an hour. But the fishing industry, if you put the time, effort into fishing, you're going to do well in the tournaments. But if you put time and effort into sponsors and helping them move product, they're going to pay you in the long run. That's cool. That's great. And it's just always struck me, man. Like one of the first times I really, you know, spent, an extended amount of time with you was a Bass University that we went to and you were, uh, dude, you were, you were hustling, uh, you were hustling baits, you were doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, this guy, he were in your, I was headed back home. You're like, Oh no, I got three more seminars, uh, in three different States before I go home. I'm like, wow, he is, he's a hustler. And that's, and that's just it is, is, you know, your sponsors, the more product you sell for them, the more money they're willing to pay you. You're worth, the amount of product that you can sell. And, you know, a marketing number has always been, you're worth 10% of what you can sell. You want $10,000 from a company, go sell $100,000 worth of product. That's cool, dude. Any other advice for like a young tournament angler that is is like starting to work their way up right now? Fish as much as you can. Learn to find your own fish. Don't fish community holes. Don't be that guy, you know? respect the anglers, no hole jumping, because I'll tell you this is, is there's been guys who have, you know, hole jumped me and then they went looking for sponsorships and they didn't get those sponsors because of just, you know, a comment that was made about their attitude or their personality. So don't be that guy. I mean, you see somebody respect the guys around you. And if you do that, they'll respect you most of the time. What goes around comes around, right? Exactly. That's the truth. That's pretty cool, man. Um, well, dude, that's awesome advice. What, uh, and, and everyone kind of knows how, how it's all gone down over the last 20 years since then, man, everything you've won, you've had tons of huge accomplishments, man. Um, since we got such a big West coast listener base, before we let you go, I want to talk about the Delta a little bit because it's such a unique fishery and, um, it's probably one of the most badass places in the entire country. And, and to me anyways, it's so vast. It's one of the few places in the country where you might be able to still have some secrets up your sleeve. Do you agree with that? I I definitely agree with that. I still have a few, you know, Um, it's funny because I leave and I come back home and I kick butt on the Delta and the guys are like, how do you still do well in the Delta? And I said, I actually rolled to some places that nobody's ever fished and still nobody fishes. Really? And and, and it's pretty awesome that they don't, Um, you know, but guys are finding new places to fish on the Delta and new techniques. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some guys, you know, start winning some tournaments fishing smallmouth just because they're such a great smallmouth fishery on the Delta as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the biggest bag of smallmouth that I've ever caught is 17 pounds in a tournament. Um, But I could see one of those cold winter tournaments when bite's tough. A guy goes out there and catches 18 or 19 pounds of smallmouth and wins a tournament. Wow. That's crazy. Didn't even know there was smallmouth in there. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got the Sacramento River, which flows out of Shasta and Folsom. And so, once again, those fish flow down the stream and they just get in the system and spawning over the years. I mean, think about it. Mojave, uh, the smallmouth are in Mojave. I remember when I won a boat at Mojave 21 years ago and there was zero smallmouth in it at that time. And then I went there a week ago, two weeks ago for Apex and saw hundreds of smallmouth. And that's pretty insane. Yep. Big ones, yes. Uh, my third cast of the morning, I hooked a five-pounder, and he jumped off right at the boat. I was pretty sick. Oh, dude, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to start the day. Yeah. 
but the Delta is amazing. I mean, the Delta is probably to me still one of the best fisheries in the country and, and one of the most awesome places to fish because you got a thousand square miles of waterways to go ahead and go fishing. How is the health of it overall right now? Health of it's pretty good. You know, there's some things that are happening, the systems changing, they're putting some dams in and some pumps in and trying to flow a lot of water to Southern Cal, but that's a whole nother issue that, you know, way above our pay grade, we as fishermen just can got to enjoy it uh, for as much as we can. That's cool. Right on. Um, is, is the hyacinth still pretty wild? Cause I know like the last time I was there, that was still a thing. Is the hyacinth like, I, I guess oh, under yeah. control? Or is it crazy? Uh, Hyacinths will never be in control. It's a, a, a species that, you know, the more they spray it, the more they chop it up, the faster it grows back. And they just got to learn to control it and maintain it. But like I've always said, nature will take care of itself. I mean, you think about those Florida lakes that have it, you know, they're still thriving and it helps the ecosystem in certain ways and hurts it in others. Yeah, makes sense. That's cool. It's a cool place, man. It, it's one of those places where I, I, I really wish that when, when you're there, you're like, man, it would be so cool to be a local here because yeah. learning how to fish tidal water is such a unique skill set. And for me, it's been my biggest weakness growing up in the desert. I never really got to, I never got to fish tidal water. So dude, it's still, when we go to a tidal fishery, I'm like just trying to, trying to get a check, you know what I mean? And yeah. whereas, whereas a guy like you or Justin, like, you know what to do, man. And it put you guys on any tidal water and uh, you're fishing to win. Yeah. It's uh, just the way we've grown up. It's just a, a totally different deal. Were you say something, Rob? It's just nope. definitely why there's so many absolute hammers from Northern California that make it across the country. I mean, they've got from Shasta, Orville to, Clear Lake Delta. I mean, Delta Clear Lake. Yeah. yeah. And everything yeah. in between with the mother load lakes. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it mother load lakes fish like Highland reservoirs. And so we are pretty much, you know, fishing the same way that we fish there all across the country. You've got to be stoked to be fishing out in California a bunch more this next year though. Just oh, I mean, um, in my opinion, that. Northern California is the best fishing we have in this country. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you know, once again, as last week I fished Shasta, you know, Wild West teams and we did okay there. And then tomorrow I'm fishing Clear Lake and the next yeah. day I could be fishing the Delta and the following week I'm back at Shasta again. Then I'm going to Don Pedro, you know, I'm jealous. Fish Comanche. You're doing That's all incredible. this before our first tournament. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, Hey dude, I know how busy you are. You got a lot coming up. So uh, last, last question I got, man, are you camping again this year? And like, if so, what's that? How, how do you like the camping lifestyle? The camping lifestyle is great. And yeah, I'm, I'm camping at some events, actually a lot of events, especially out here out West. Uh, it's the only way to fly, you know, camping is pretty much your own bed and it's, it's, it's your own sheets. It's your own towels. It's your own toothbrush, your own cooking utensils. It's, it's everything. And being sleeping in the outdoors, you know, there's multiple guys on tour that do it, you know, from the Rick Cluns and the Brandon Polonics and the Randy Howells and everybody else in between. It, it, it's definitely a way to go. And everybody should go, everybody should go RVing and check out GoRVing.com. Nice. Right What's on. your rig consist of? Are you, what type of camper are you in? Uh, fifth wheel. I'm doing the fifth wheel thing right now. And uh, Chaparral, it's, it's, it's pretty cool fifth wheel. And, you know, I've had uh, multiple others and I'm just kind of rotating through them. Uh, I'm going to be doing a travel trailer out here in the West just because it's really easy to get to those events that are one or two days. And are you towing the, the boat behind the fifth wheel? No, I'm a uh, double toe. Double toe. Gotcha. Makes sense. Have you ever, do you have one crazy like campground story where you got to a campground? It was not what you expected or, you know, uh, anything like that or on the hotel side. Honestly, the campground thing. Uh, no, actually um, it's funny because I remember one of the best experiences was we showed up to Wisconsin to fish lacrosse and I go to check in and they hand me a six pack of their uh, spotted cow. Oh, nice. To Good start stuff. out the, um, yeah. So it worked out really, really well. So um, it just was, that's like, that's what, and then I end up winning the tournament. Oh my better. gosh. Oh yeah, that's dude. Awesome. Nice. Perfect. 
yeah, yeah. So here, show up, you show up, you get a six pack of beer, and then you win the tournament. And it's just like, and it was so nice to go back to the campground. The only sucky part is, is I had to pack up the next morning and head to Oahe, but that was another place that beautiful campground right there at the lake. Uh, I didn't fare well in that tournament just because. I didn't, I'm, I'm not a huge smallmouth fan. I, I, I catch them and I, they're okay, but I'm not a huge smallmouth fan. I and Mojave will make you, Mojave will make you not a huge smallmouth fan when you see hundreds of them and can't catch them. <laughs> it's funny how they can be so crazy and dumb sometimes and also just so frustrating at others. And it's, I think maybe yeah. it's the clear water factor. You know, yes, the water is, is so dang clear. But that's interesting. Well, that's cool, dude. Uh, awesome, awesome stories. And, uh, Man, I, I know you got a busy month coming up. Uh, I feel yep. I'm, I'm already stressing about all the tournaments we have in February, but I love the fact that you're fishing so much before we even get rolling, dude. Heck yeah. Rob, do you have anything else before we let him go? No, I just want to wish uh, Ish good luck. Good seeing you. It's been a while, and uh, I'm anxious to watch you do well this year. Heck yeah. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, man. I'll see you soon, all right. dude. All right. Talk to you then. See ya. Yeah.